Welcome to another episode of More Happy Life, the podcast that will teach you how to trigger upward spirals of health and happiness in your life. I'm Andy Proctor, a happiness activist whose goal is to make your life more happy with science-backed strategies and powerful interviews. If you enjoy this episode, share it and let me know by tapping the stars in the reviews. Welcome to another episode of More Happy Life. This is your host, Andy Proctor. Thank you so much for being here today. Today we're going to talk about something that I think is really important, which is self-love. We've had episodes about this in the past as well, uh, which you may remember with Katie Sign. And today we have a guest, Jonathan Trone. He is a life mastery coach and the creator of The Self-Love Revolution. Uh, his mission is to help people find the joy inside themselves. Jonathan spent 20 years in the music and entertainment industry, living the life of his dreams and interviewing some of the biggest stars in the world. Uh, but he still wasn't happy when he was doing that. He also found out that he wasn't alone in not being happy. So he went on a mission to find out why was he not happy. And uh, once he learned the secrets of true happiness and success, he had to share it with other people. And this is what uh, was the beginning of what he calls the self-love revolution. Uh, we talk about this in the episode today. We talk about the fact that uh, self-love is a skill. And um, oftentimes we've talked about how happiness is a skill that can be practiced in this podcast. And so self-love is a skill because self-love is a part of of this happiness skill set, right? Forgiveness is a skill. Gratitude is a skill. We, we mentioned those things in the episode today. Uh, and you can practice all of these skills, which is really exciting, right? It's not like it's out of your uh, grasp. It's something that you can practice because it's a skill set. And uh, so we talk about how to do that a little bit in this episode uh, and how to really engage with rewiring our brains to, uh, you know, default to self-love um, versus the regular default, which is um, to you know, not necessarily love ourselves the way we would love someone else, uh, a good friend or a, a very close family member or even a pet. <laughs> so uh, tune into today's episode with Jonathan Trone. I think you'll get something out of this one today um, because we all definitely could use a little bit more self-love. All right, Jonathan, thank you so much for being on the show, the More Happy Life podcast. It is so good to have you here. And wow, what a topic to be able to talk about with, uh, and especially this time. So thanks for, for uh, your time tonight. Oh, thank you so much. I am so happy to be in the happy world with you. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of people, um, you know, sometimes resent the, the, the happiness. Um, but, you know, I, I think, I think it's a beautiful thing. Every time I talk about happiness, it makes me smile, even if it's silly and corny. I mean, it just makes my life better. And so, you know, it, it seems like that you're, you're kind of in that same boat as well. Totally. Now that's not to discount sadness and some of the other emotions because if you really want true happiness you have to be able to lovingly experience all the emotions we have sadness mm. anger resentment all of it they're all beautiful but mm. certainly happiness is a nice place to have as your main residence 
No, I, I love that. I love that. I think a lot, a lot of times people will ask me because I do this podcast on happiness and all these things. They say, so that, does that mean you're happy all the time? And I just kind of laugh and I say, no, I definitely am not happy all the time. <laughs> I experience just like any other human, you know, the full spectrum of emotions. Um, but I do know that the skills and the, the you know, really the skill set to kind of help bring me back to the place of positive emotion uh, to get me through those times. So thanks for bringing that up. I love that. I think that's really important. You know, I love hearing the uh, kind of the story behind the expert. And I just, I can't wait to hear a little bit more about your story and kind of tell me, tell me and, and all the listeners, like, what is your, you know, kind of self-love superhero origin story my well, superhero wow yes uh, yes <laughs> well here's the deal just own it I, I spent i spent 20 years in the entertainment business and i kind of created this this beautiful life and i was interviewing the biggest stars in the world i was interviewing my idols even and that was really cool and there was something missing you know, I lived three blocks from the beach. I could see the sunset out my window. Like you're supposed to have, I always feel it because you're supposed to have this story of, of, you know, some major tragedy happened to you and this is how you overcame it. I didn't have a major tragedy. I had an awesome life and then I was doing some amazing things, but I wasn't happy. Mm. And I couldn't figure out why. And that was a struggle for me because I did everything I was told, you know, that create your own life, work hard, be successful. And I was successful on paper, you know, so that gets into, you know, the bigger discussion of how do we define success? And right. then I remember one day I'm, I'm walking in the park and I'm listening to this song. <clears throat> by this, this punk band, Social Distortion. I was a big punk rocker in those days. <laughs> and look, I had seen the band live. I had interviewed them. Um, I, I, I had listened to this song hundreds, maybe thousands of times. <laughs> and it was like, I, I had never heard it before. Um, and the, the lyrics went, were something like this. Um, you can run all your life, but not go anywhere. And mm. then I was like, Holy shit. Sorry to say that word, but that's what, but that's what went through my head. I'm right. Like, oh my God. That that's me. Because part of the story is I also moved to Denmark, had a great time there, lived in Denmark for a little while, then moved down to Spain, lived in Spain for a little while, then moved to LA. And that was awesome. But I lived in the middle of LA. So I had to get to the beach because you're in LA. So I moved to Santa Monica by the beach, but on 11th street, that was really too far from the beach. So then I got to third street, like, and, and I kept chasing something. I was chasing, chasing, chasing something that would make me happy. And I knew that when I got there, it would make me happy, except I kept getting there. I kept getting my dreams fulfilled and I yeah. wasn't happy. And then I discovered that I wasn't, it was, I didn't discover it at the time, but then after I did my research to figure out what was wrong with me, by the way, what was wrong with me was that there was nothing wrong with me. <laughs> and I just had to discover that there was nothing wrong with me. I'm like, what? I don't need to be any different than I am. Um, because I was comparing myself in Hollywood, right? The, the, you know, it's the land of dreams, but it's also mm -hmm. the land of comparison, 
compared myself to every other person on the planet. And it was compare, 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 compare. And obviously there's some, even if I'm doing great things, there's someone that's better off than you are, right? Because I walk from right. third street to the, to, to the beach, right? Three blocks from the beach, but look at all those people between me and the beach. What's, what's wrong with me? When am I gonna have that house on the beach? Like that person there. Mm. And then what I realized was I was not chasing anything. I was running away. And I was running away from myself mm. and the voices in my head. I didn't mm. know I had voices in my head when I was doing it. Don't get me wrong. I had no idea about any of this. But, but looking back with my understanding now, that's what I was doing. I just, I just spent, you know, a couple of decades running. And in that day, I, I began... I was going to say I stopped running, but I don't think I did that day. I began slowing down to come to a stop to figure out what the heck I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Hmm. Because running is exhausting. Wow. I love that. I want you to repeat those lyrics because because that's that's a big deal. So, you know, that big moment you had. But but I want you to repeat the the, the lyrics from that song. Yeah, it's you can run all your life and not go anywhere. Mm. You can run all your life and not go anywhere. Oh and that's gosh. what I was doing. I was running. <laughs> yeah. Because here, here's the thing. So, you know, I went to Denmark. Look, I had a great time there. I really did. Um, but they've even done re research on this. So when you, well, this is why people love vacations. When you go to a new place and your brain has all this new stimuli, yeah. the thoughts in your head go away because there's not room for them. Like your, mm. your brain has the, it's hundred percent capacity, right? Mm. So when you're filled with new, all the, these new stimulus and stimuli, uh, everything, although the, the, that repetitive tape that we all have, that begins to go away because you're soaking in new information. But after a while, if you stay in that same place, it doesn't happen on vacations because you're there for a week or two weeks or a month. Right. It takes six months for things to become regular. So after six months in Denmark, things became regular. The voices started back up. After six months in Spain, the, the things became regular. The voices started back up. LA was great when I got there. And then after six months, the voices started up again. And then when I moved to Santa Monica, it was great. But then after six months, the voice started up, up again. So we, we think if we change things on the outside, our lives will change. And part of that is because they do, but only for a short period of time. And the only consistent thing between all those places was that I was there. Mm. And I had to look at that. I'm going, okay, maybe I am running from me. Well, why am I running from me? What's wrong with me? And, and, and then I went on this, like I kind of went back to school in a way, you know, I started studying. I didn't literally go to school at the time, but I started studying. I started reading books, mm -hmm. um, learned about, you know, people like Tony Robbins and I watched The Secret and, you know, all, all the, those kind of things, um, which were pieces of the puzzle, but for me were... Um, incomplete pieces, great tools mm. that I use, but incomplete. 
and you know, then I did, I did get trained. I started teaching yoga. I'd already been practicing yoga for some years based on a surgery. That's a whole nother part of the story. I had a surgery, went bad, ended up taking yoga to, you know, after they kicked me off of physical therapy, because we have such a wonderful, um, you know, health insurance system in our country, <laughs> kicked me off of physical therapy. And they said, well, go try yoga. Maybe that'll help you. And I did, thank God, changed my life. So I became a yoga teacher and then I, I learned about this thing called life coaching, which I thought was weird. Like, why would anyone need a life coach? That sounds like a weird thing to me. But <laughs> someone really pushed me to go to this training. And I'll be honest, the only reason I went to it, they had a, they had a money back guarantee, go for the weekend um, and you know, pay, pay up front, but then go for the weekend. If you don't like it, you get your money back. You tell them the last day, not, not like the first day. You do the whole entire thing and if at the end you can walk up to them and say, I didn't like that, they give you your money back. I'm like, this is awesome. I'll do it. I'll make this person happy that I that I went to it. And then I know it's going to be kind of stupid, but who knows? Maybe I'll learn something and then I'll get my money back. Mind blown after this weekend when, because you got to remember, I was a punk rocker. So our world was raging against the world, right? That was right. Our, our mission was just to, to rage and, mm, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and it's all, all your fault and fix it and all that kind of stuff. Right. And then I discovered over this weekend that you could live a life of joy. And I, I, I learned about the voices in the head that I mentioned, right? So, oh, we have voices in the head. Oh, this is what my voice is saying. Oh, well, that's kind of interesting. By the way, before then, I thought I was the only one who talked to myself. I knew I was kind of talking to myself, but I didn't think everybody did it. That's crazy. <laughs> so, you know, so after that thing, then, yeah, I signed up for the whole, you know, next six months of it, um, totally transformed my life. But there was still something missing. So I, I learned all the confidence tools. I learned the goal setting tools. I learned the, the meditation and presence tools. And, you know, I was teaching yoga. So that, that's meditation in its own form. And then I came and that, so, but I, I did that for some years and it was, it was really great. And I started coaching people and it was great success. And then I came across Louise Hay. And do you know Louise Hay? Yes. Yeah, I've heard. I've definitely. Yeah. So I came across her work and it, all, all, it had been around for decades. I just didn't know what it was. Uh, I hadn't heard about her before, but she said, go to a mirror and look yourself in the eye and say, I love you. And I go, well, that sounds great. Because by this point, I had been doing all this stuff. So I'm confident. I can set goals. I can make things happen. I got great success. My clients got great success. Life is awesome. So I go to the mirror and I look myself in the eyes and I go, Jonathan. And that is an exact quote. <laughs> I could not say the words to myself. And I went, oh my God. Like I, I, I really thought I had figured a lot of it out. I had begun to turn my life around with these new thoughts of, uh, of happiness. Like you said, how do, we, how do we create joy? How do we create happiness? I, I learned a lot of those tools, but apparently yeah. at the time I hadn't 
still hadn't learned how to love myself. And they're, they're underneath all of that happiness. Um, there apparently was a lot of self-loathing. I didn't know it at the time. If you would have asked me the day before, I would have told you, of course, I love myself. But it just wasn't true. So then I want, went on a whole new journey. Uh, I didn't try it again for another month. But then I, I went back and I said, I got, I have to try this again. There, there's something that, that needs to shift. And I started practicing. Um, and then I learned about forgiveness. And that's when things really began to settle in too. And, you know, so what I talk about is, is this whole idea of a self-love revolution. And to me, when I put it together, it was... Like I had Tony Robbins stuff over here and then, you know, the, the world of the secret and Bob Proctor over here. And, and then on this other side, there, there was self-love and, you know, and then, you know, the voices in the head and goal setting, but they were all from different places. And it was, I just kind of went crazy. Like I can't have these things in all these different places. Hmm. So I figured out how to combine them all. And I created a system for me. I didn't create yeah. a system for anyone else. Right. I was wondering. I did not create a system for anyone else. I created mm. a system for me because it was too scattered. Yeah. And I needed, I needed a more cohesive system um, because self-love didn't talk about taking action. Action didn't talk about, you know, being kind to yourself on a daily basis and self-love without action, nothing gets done, but lots of action without self-love. Well, you get a lot of stuff done, but you're not happy at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's where I, I created the self-love revolution. You know, that's, so that's my superhero piece, I would say, is this self-love revolution, which I created mm -hmm. for me. And then, and then, yes, I started sharing it with other people because, man, it was just too transformational. Yeah. I love that so much. And I love that uh, you said your mission is to help people find the joy inside of themselves. And it sounds like you, I mean, you really went on this journey first. And, you know, I always say, cause I'm, you know, on this podcast, I talk a lot about research, right. And the science of happiness and things like that. But we, you know, I don't care how much research there is out there. If the me search isn't, working right and it sounds like you you went on this you still are on this you know this journey we all are right but this this journey of really finding that joy inside of yourself so so you it sounds like the all of these things kind of came together and and you saw almost like all the you know all these different pieces but then until you found this one you know kind of combining factor uh, for yourself, you know, that's when it all started to make sense. Is that right? Yeah. And, you know, it, that's a really important thing, helping people find the joy inside of themselves. Because look, my first career was radio. And I remember the day I decided to go into radio. And it was a day in junior high school. And you know, I, I was more on the picked on crowd right? So I had a bad day at school. I don't remember what happened, but I remember going home and turning on the radio and the DJ played a song and said something. And all of a sudden I had a smile on my face. And I said, that's what I want to do with my life. 
I want to <laughs> help put a smile on people's faces. And then I went into radio and then, um, then I had, you know, a, 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 in the mid nineties, when the internet was first taken off, I had a, a really popular um, music internet site called LA Live, where we broadcast the biggest bands in the world. Um, then I went off into television and what happened so a couple of things. One, what happened is along that career path, especially once I got onto television, I forgot those initial values, right? So I didn't even know what values were. I learned that in my training. <laughs> I go, oh, values. Right. And, but the original value was putting a smile on people's faces, right? And mm. then my new values were, when I got into television, my new values were get a better title and make more money. Right. And I don't know if those are my values, but those are my goals, right? So my goals were not honoring the values of putting a smile on people's faces. Mm. And it got so icky for me that I couldn't do it anymore. I just didn't like what I was doing. I'm not putting down television. There are great TV shows. I watch TV. There's beautiful stuff on TV. I just didn't like the way I was doing it. It wasn't honoring my values at the time. Like I could go back and do it now if I wanted to, because I would do it in a way that honored my values. But of mm. course I had to leave it to discover what my values were. Right. And the other piece of that is with the self-love revolution is I discovered that it comes from the inside. So my goal with putting a smile on people's faces was having an external force an external experience, make them happy, hmm. which, which, you know, which helped me, right? I had many external forces make me happy. I thought that's right. how you got happy from external things. So I was going to do external things. I'm going to interview bands and broadcast concerts and, 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 may, and, and we get emails from around the world saying, man, this is amazing. You guys are amazing. Um, it made people happy. Yeah. What I, I discovered from the self-love revolution or the work I did before creating it was it really has to, if, if it's going to have some sort of permanence, it has to come from inside of you. Otherwise, mm. it's just fleeting. So as soon as you, you have fun at the concert and as soon as you leave, you're back in, into the, this, for me, this descending world of, of in the head with this voice that continues beating yourself up, telling you you're not good enough, even though you're doing these amazing things. Like, I, it didn't matter who I interviewed and what kind of amazing day I had. My voice in my head would still tell me uh, how, how, how dumb I am and how I'm not good enough. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, don't you know what I just did? <laughs> you know? <Yeah>. Are you <laughs> kidding? I was just hanging out with Ozzy Osbourne. Like, what do you want from me? Um, <laughs> you know, but it was relentless. Mm. So all my joy came from the outside. Now all my joy comes from the inside. And, and so that it is a different experience putting a smile on people's faces and helping people find the joy inside of themselves. Uh, it comes from a similar value, but it's a truly different experience. Mm. I love that. I mean, I think self-love is, is huge. Um, we just talked to, uh, about this on episode 140 with Katie Sion about the science of self-love. And she, she talked about this a little bit too. And, um, but I, th I think something we kind of came up against uh, is a question I have for you, which is, you know, why, why is it like that voice? You say that voice kind of kept coming back, no matter how, you know, successful you were on the outside or no matter how, you know, cool you were, no matter how good you looked or whatever it was, like 
that voice was still there. So how, why is, why is self-love like, why is it so hard for us to be nice to ourselves and to love ourselves? Why is it so hard to practice self-love? I think there are two reasons. One re one reason is historical It's evolution, right? So we look out for danger to protect ourselves. Of course, you mm. know, then we we're only living to 30 years old. So, you know, you basically, <laughs> you know, you lived, you had some kids and you died, right? That, yeah. that was that was life back then. So there there is an evolutionary bent to it. But I think the bigger thing is how we feed it once we come into this world. And we feed it by comparison. Comparison is the biggest, what's the right word? The right word is not coming to my head right now. It, it, it's yeah. the biggest defeater of joy, yeah. right? right? And, you know, I, I had my son six years ago. And so when he's born, they hand you a sheet of paper about five minutes later that has his height and his weight and then next to it are percentages. Hmm. Where, where is he compared to everybody else in, in the world? Or I don't know, maybe it was the United States. I don't know. Yeah. But how does yeah. he compare to everybody else? He was From the moment you're born. Day old. From the moment you're born, <laughs> we're compared to everyone else on the planet. And then, of course, we get to school and, you know, you're in competition for everyone there. One person is going to be the best in this class, right? Who's going to be the valedictorian? One person is going to be the best on, on the team. And if you're not the best, you're not good enough. You know, you even see it in, in, in movies, you know, where, where if they have, if it's, you know, a, a movie that, that has a, a group of people that are looking to do the same thing, you know, they have these scenes, look around you this is your competition here. One of you will rise to the top, right? I mean, all these things are embedded in us. So yes, evolutionarily, we are trained to judge everything around us to protect ourselves. But then we get here and we're, it's, it's then embedded into us. It's not, we're not taught, you don't need to do it any, anymore because there aren't saber-toothed tigers running after you. So let's do some rewiring right here, right now. You're in kindergarten. Let's rewire your brain for 2021. Instead, we, we just, we double down on it. And mm. we say, compare yourself to everyone and they are dangerous to you because if they succeed, you might not. And that's what's gotta change because there is enough room for everyone. There's enough wealth for everyone. There's enough joy for everyone. And we need to start teaching our children not to compete against the next person, but how to uplift that person next to them. If you're going to rise, bring that person with you. Then you are a true success. If you can bring five of, uh, of your co-class, co-students, whatever that's called, if you can bring them up with you, then you succeed. If you do it alone, you're not as much of a success as you could be. That's, that's what we can be teaching. Hmm. Hmm. 
that that's I what know. I think the real problem is to answer your question. That's why it's, why is it so hard? Because we are taught the opposite. We are taught mm. not to love ourselves. We're taught to compare ourselves to every other person on the planet. And as long as we do that, there's always someone better off, which means we're not good enough. And by chance, if we are number one, oh my God, we need to work so hard to keep that. Mm. Cause if we don't, then we lose it. And then we're back into not good enoughness. Yeah, that's fascinating. The this concept of that we it's like that we've lost this, you know, the sense of community building and replaced it with this, you know, kind of individualism, which really feeds that comparison mindset, you know, of like, I gotta be the best, or I gotta be, you know, I'm like you, you will never be the best, right? Like you can never like reach that next level. There will always be somebody, right? Who's you know, going to be in some way, you know, better. And even if you're the fastest guy in the world, like Usain Bolt or whoever, like there's somebody that's better than him in something else. You know what I mean? And, and so like that, I, th I think I love your, your focus on, you know, let's make it our success, right? Like the, what can we do together? What, how can I help you succeed too? So that like community yeah. focus. And I love also that you talked about this, like, rewiring and i'm not now i'm just like curious like how can we you know in terms of self-love like how can we then rewire our brain to to you know practice that self-love to kind of default to the self-love yeah so there are there are a few steps to it the first the simplest is beginning to accept yourself as you are just simply accepting this moment as it is. And that means if you're happy, that's awesome. And if you're sad, that's awesome too. Because even with happiness, like I was, I was with a client. It was, I don't know, it was probably a couple months ago by now. And she was sharing this company that she wanted to start. And I asked her why, right? Because I always say, it doesn't matter what you do. It matters why you do it. And she gave me all these beautiful reasons. Well, it's going to help these people. It's going to help the environment. It's going to do this, it's going to do that. She was really excited. And then she, she, then there was a big pause. And then she sheepish, sheepishly said, and it'll make me happy. As mm. if she didn't have permission to be happy. It's like, <laughs> yeah. hey, it's okay to be happy. Yeah. So, weird like we're not happy if we're sad but so many of us are then not happy when we're happy because we might not have a right to be happy mm. so we have to begin to accept ourselves we have to begin to look at ourselves right i used to look in the mirror and i just wouldn't like what i saw i didn't mm. like the way my face looked my hair looked you know i i would find anything that didn't look right even though other people mm. told me i looked fine i just didn't believe them <laughs> and I slowly began to accept myself, right? So a new gray hair comes and, and I say, hey, gray hair, welcome to the family. Yeah. And that's a real shift mm. from, oh my God, there's another gray hair, which is what I would say when I first started going gray. Mm -hmm. And then I started coloring it and, and trying to pretend I was something else. So, you know, we, we have to have the, this, powerful sense of acceptance of this present moment. 
we have to live in a world of gratitude. Our brain does look for danger, but it can look for positive things if you train it to, right? Just like you, you can train your fingers to play piano and you know you can, you can train yourself to do all kinds of things. Train yourself to use the computer, train yourself how to you know, do a, a podcast, um, all this stuff. Right. We can train ourselves for gratitude if we begin looking for it. So I started, you know, just writing a few things I was I was grateful for every day until now my brain just looks for things and goes, oh wow, that's so beautiful. Right? The roses are are just blooming outside of, of my house. And like, oh man, those roses are are beautiful. Um, but I'm focusing on the roses, not the thorns. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I, uh, yeah, there, there, I think there's a song, right? Every, every um, rose has its thorn. But I always say the opposite is true as well. Every thorn bush has a rose. <laughs> so let's, there are thorn bushes out there, folks. Let's look at the roses. Yeah. Um, mm. Forgiveness is a huge one. We got to start forgiving ourselves. It's, I call forgiveness the most important skill that we've never been taught. Hmm. And, you know, for me, uh, you know, I work with people on, on deeper forgiveness stuff and myself, to be clear, I work on myself on deeper forgiveness stuff from the past, but I have this daily one. I started this daily practice a couple of years ago um, and it came up as I was teaching the self-love revolution, as I was, I was putting it together um, for the first time, which I guess is, I don't know, more than a couple of years ago now. But I, I say these words every night. Every night, these are the words I say. I say, I forgive myself and all others who have hurt or offended me, knowingly or unknowingly, physically, emotionally, or monetarily. I wish them no harm. I accept this moment as it is, and I release myself from any future pain. Hmm. I say that every single night so that when mm. I go to bed, I don't carry all the stories of the day yeah. of what I messed up, right? I forgive myself first. All the mistakes I made. Like, so, so uh, let me go I love back that. I feel like you probably sleep better because, because you say that, you know, when you actually like believe those words and really internalize those words, I mean, there's no way you can't sleep better that way. I sleep so much better and then I wake up better. Right. And so here's the rewiring. So the, uh, there's this evening routine, which includes that. Right. And, and especially forgiveness of myself, because I mentioned before, this is part of the rewiring. I mentioned before how it didn't matter how great my day was. I would focus on what's bad. So I had an evening routine of, of here was my day and I did these amazing things, but what did I mess up and what could have been better? And you didn't, you know, if I interviewed someone, well, you forgot to ask that question or you stumbled over that question or that was a really dumb question to ask and, you know, whatever I could do to make it wrong. Now, what do I, now this is my new evening routine and it has rewired my brain. I acknowledge my mistakes. I don't ignore them. I don't say they didn't happen. I don't bury them. But then I spend the time on all my successes, everything mm. that went great for the day, everything I accomplished, everything I achieved. So tonight, th this talking with you and sharing with you will be on the list of, of <laughs> things that I did, um, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> celebrations. 
is on the list of things that I did. Uh, <laughs> doing the laundry. Oh shoot, I have to take that out and, and put it on the drying rack. This load doesn't go in the dryer, but I'll do that and then I'll be able to celebrate it. So but th this is like, this is really what I do. The big things and the small things. And that's how you begin to rewire your brain is shifting the focus. And if you do it long enough, now I, I look, I even if I do something, I go, oh, this is going to be my celebration tonight. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's awesome. You're like looking for it though, right? I mean, it's like you're scanning instead of that natural scan for the negative and like, oh, what could go wrong? Or like, oh no, that, you know, waiting for the shoe to drop or whatever. It's like, no, like this is what went well today. And yeah. oh my gosh, look at that bird right there. Or like, the the you know the, this this meal tastes so good you know or whatever you know I, I i love that your brain is wired to look for things that i'm trying to find the right words well yeah one like threat scan for threats but so let's say let's say you buy a car uh and let's say you buy a subaru you start seeing every other Subaru on the road. Has that ever happened to you? Like oh, you all to totally. start, right? Yeah. So Even if I want to buy something, I, I, you know, and, and I'm like, oh yeah, you know. Yeah. If you test drive <laughs> something, you still see exactly one on the road. Uh -huh. you, you, you basically gave a message to your brain to start looking for these things. You can train it to look for gratitude. You can train it to look mm, right. for celebrations uh, or you can train it to look for, for the negative things, which I had trained my mind. I would say with the help of society, right? Uh, Cause it's all the marketing messages as well. Um, you know, you'll be happy if you buy this, you know, you're not happy now, but as soon as you get this, you'll be happy. Yeah, we're combined <laughs> right. with this stuff every single day and then we buy it. And yeah. I'm not, I buy things. I'm not saying don't buy anything, but you know, a lot of this stuff. So you're happy for 10 seconds and then it's like, okay, well now it's collecting dust and you know, whatever. Yeah. We got to rewire our brains to look for the things that are really going to bring us joy in life. And it, it takes time folks, but it can be done. Mm. I love that. And I think it's so important to, you know, I mean, you, you, you illustrated very well this, this concept of, you know, this kind of hedonic adaptation where you say, you know, like after about six months, you just start to like, even if you move to a completely different place that has all these new, you know, stimuli, like you, you're still going to, after a while, start thinking, oh yeah, like this is, this is normal. All the, you know, you adapt to it and, and you buy the thing, you know, it's like, I, there's all these things that I'm thinking, oh, that would make my life so much better if I just had that. But it doesn't take much time, right. For you to get used to, you know, that new Apple watch or that, you know, whatever, what, whatever it was that you thought it was going to make your life just so much better. And I love that your focus is really you know, find that joy inside of yourself. It's yeah. just beautiful. And, and, and start speaking kindly to yourself. It's like if we walk up the stairs and our knee begins to hurt, we complain about our knee. Oh, damn, my knee hurts. But how often do we just go, hey, thank you, knee, for supporting me. 
every single day of my life, you are supporting mm. me and helping me move. Obviously, this is for those who are able to walk. I understand not everybody can walk, but everyone's got something, right? Everyone right. alive has something that's working. Um, you know, people wake up with a sore neck. Oh man, I slept wrong. My neck hurts. Well, are you thanking your neck every other day for when it's feeling great and it's turning and it's looking up and down? We really have to start thanking and being kind to our bodies and not just highlighting it when there's something about it that bothers us. Mm. Look at the good. Look yourself in the eye every day and just begin to give yourself a compliment, your body a compliment. Even if you don't love everything about it yet, that's fine. Although I've gotten to the place where I just look awesome. doesn't matter. I get out of bed. I look fantastic as soon as I get out of bed. <laughs> I had to train myself to believe that. Well, now yeah. I just believe it. It's true. I look good in every single picture I take. Mm. I learned that one from Mike Dooley. I don't know if you, if you follow any of his stuff. Mm. But I learned that, that you know, before you take a picture, you say, I'm going to look great in this picture. So uh, I learned that one from him. But if we begin to change our dialogue with ourselves, it's not that the negative self-talk goes away. It doesn't. I still have negative self-talk. Right. But it's evened out now, or even it's kind of turned the other way where there's more positive talk. Um, you can't stop negative thoughts from coming, but you can begin to implant thoughts that will benefit you. And honestly, sometimes I just ask this simple question and I, and I, this, I teach this to people. I'd say, okay, when you're in that, that swirl, just pause and ask yourself, what thought would be most beneficial to me right now? Mm -hmm. And yeah. if you ask the question, your subconscious demands an answer. Any question you ask, it demands an answer. You ask what's wrong, it will give you an answer. You ask what's right, it will give you an answer. And if you ask, what thought would be best for me right now? It will give you an answer. And all of a sudden, your thoughts will change. It's fascinating. Yeah, it is fascinating. Yeah, it really is. It's like your brain is capable of, of you know, uh, of creating it so powerfully. And, you know, that makes me think of um, how, you know, we can, we can literally taste well, we, we, we're not actually tasting it, but in our brains we are, right? Like if you, you know, for all those people out there who make smoothies, right? You, you, you wouldn't put, I mean, I don't know, maybe you would, but like I would never put, you know, a banana peel, some spinach and, you know, uh, water and toothpaste into a smoothie. Like you're probably, <laughs> you're probably tasting that in your mouth right now, right? Like, like, and, and, and why wouldn't you, you know, like it's because you, you created that in your mind. You, you, you know, simulated that, that experience before it even happened. And you're like, no, I'm, I'm definitely not going to drink that smoothie. <laughs> That's disgusting. Uh, you know, just like you're saying right here, you know, we, our brains, our minds simulate these things. And we can, we get to control that if we want, if we know that we can. And you're, what you're saying is it's, it's really like a skill set, right? A, a, even knowing that we're capable of doing that. Yeah. I'm really glad you used that word uh, and brought it up that way. Cause I think that's really important to understand. All these are skills. Gratitude is a skill. Forgiveness is a skill. Self-love is a skill and skills can be practiced. 
right? So mm. I always say practice self-love, right? Yeah. I'm, be- I'm better this year than I was last year. I'm way better than I was 10 years ago when I didn't even know what it was. And I suspect I will be better a year from now and 10 years from now. I say practice self-love. I say practice forgiveness. I say practice gratitude. I say practice um, acceptance. These are all skills that can be practiced. And when you practice it, they get better. Hmm. By the way, they don't get perfect. Practice does not make perfect, right? I was taught practice makes perfect. That was a lie. I forgive the people that tried to teach me that. Um, but that's, you know, part of where the, uh, you know, I call them the saboteurs, the 13 saboteurs. And one of the 13 saboteurs is the perfectionist. And, you know, it comes, you know, there are different reasons why we might have it. But I remember this one time, my mother said to my son, and I don't know, he was maybe three or four at the time, and they were baking together. So he was learning to crack eggs. And she (laughs) said to him, practice makes perfect. Uh, as he was, you know, practicing cracking eggs for baking. And I was in the kitchen and I just looked up and I said, hopefully in a kind way, I said, you can never say that to him again because it's not true. And that's the first time I made the connection. Wow, that's why everyone has this perfectionist complex because we're told practice makes perfect and then we practice. So therefore we're supposed to be perfect. So practice does not make perfect, but practice does make better. Mm. And all these are, and back to your point, all these are skills. So please practice. Right. And we can get better at them, right? We can get better at self-love. We can get better at forgiveness. We can get better at gratitude. We don't have to be perfect at those, but we can get better at them if we practice. If we practice, you have to practice it. Mm. You know, if you that. want to get better at playing piano, what do you got to do? You, you have to practice for 30 minutes a day. Uh, I don't even say you have to practice for 30 minutes a day. I say, say one kind thing to yourself for every day. One, one, it'll take 10 seconds. Hmm. If you get really excited, go for 30. And yeah, hmm. if you want to sit down and meditate for half an hour, please do so. It'll change your life. But all it takes is 10 seconds to say, to look yourself in the mirror and, and just say, oh, I do like my smile, or I do like my eyes, or or, thank you, neck, thank you, knee. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. practice, practice. If you want to get better at it, you got to practice it. Don't leave it as a book on the shelf. And and thank you for kind of laying out how, how you practice. I mean, that's a very practical way of, you know, looking at how do you, how do you practice self love? You you look at your knee and say, thank you. I mean, that's as, that's as rudimentary as it gets. Right. But it's, but it's so powerful. I mean, if you did that, whether it's your knee or whatever part of your body or your whole body, you know, once a day, once a day, I mean, that, that could change your life. Yeah. We treat ourselves horribly the way we speak to ourselves. We would never be friends. Like if someone else spoke to us like that, we would never be friends with them. And, you know, for people that have their own businesses and things like that, right? If we were working for somebody, we would quit if anyone spoke to us like this on a regular basis. Right. But we're our own bosses Mm. and we begin to accept it. And this is a process of becoming your own best friend. 
or if you have your own company, I shouldn't say or and if you have your own company or doing your own your own thing of becoming your own best boss to yourself. Hmm. We have to become, we, we are, I was certainly my own worst enemy. Most of us are our own worst enemies and we have to switch it around and begin to become our own best friends and start treating ourselves like we would treat a friend. And we can do that. Yeah. I love that. Be your own best friend. I feel like that's, you know, the title of this episode. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's so powerful. And I mean, I, I love that. So I'm studying this, this concept of, of friendship. And I mean, if we can't be friends with ourselves, how can we be friends with other people? Every relationship, right? Every relationship that you have is impacted by the relationship you have with yourself. And so if you're feeling lonely out there, if you're feeling, you know, those negative emotions, if you're feeling uh, sad because you don't have friends or you're not in a relationship you want to be in, maybe start with that relationship that you have with yourself. Yeah, it's all of your relationships transform when you change the relationship with yourself. Hmm. And you transform, you become, you become a kind of person because when you can begin to forgive yourself for mistakes, well, one, you become kinder to yourself, but then you see everyone else making, you know, the same or similar mistakes because we're all kind of the same mess ups. Let's be honest. We're um, human. We're human. And <laughs> once we can forgive ourselves, we look at the other person and go, oh yeah, well, you know, I kind of did the same thing. So yeah. I can, I can forgive them. Um, maybe they're just having a bad day. You know, I kind of, I kind of lost it the other day when I was having a bad day. So maybe they're just having a bad day and, and they lost it. So we just show up in the world with more compassion and look, man, if there's anything we need now, it's a little bit more kindness and compassion to, to circle around the country and the globe. Yeah. And yeah. this idea of being a best friend, like if, if your friend came to you, knocked on your door and said, hey, look, Andy, I, I had a real bad day. You know, I, I screwed this up. I really messed up and, and I don't want to do, I'm bummed. You know, what would you do? Yeah, give him a hug, take him out for ice cream. I don't know, you know, just say, hey, you know what? It's all good. Like you're, 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 you're going to get through this. You always do. Exactly. You give them support and you say, you, you take them off ice cream. You say, you're going to get through this. I got your back. Mm -hmm. But when we make the mistake, it's like, oh my God, you screwed up. Your world's going to end. You're such a mess. It's never going to work out. We could do the same thing and just say, you know, so I screw up and go, okay, Jonathan, you know, I got it. Even if it's a big, oh, that was a big one. I got it. Um, but it's going to pass. And you know what, Jonathan? I got your back. I have your back. We have to begin having our own backs. Mm. Not that we shouldn't go to friends. Go to your, call your friend, get support, have a support network. These are important things. I'm not discounting an important support network. And we can begin to support our, ourselves just by, by saying, I, I say this to me all the time. I say it to myself, I say, Jonathan, I see you. I got your back today. 
And I do a much better job with everything because of it, even mm. when I screw up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, permission to be human, right? Like you have to give that that kind of permission slip to be human. I love that so much. Oh, this is such such good stuff. And I, I, I just thank you for for bringing these things to our attention for talking about this for especially this time you know this is the time where we need a self-love revolution it right now and i'm just grateful for you and um you know and 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 in practicing what you're talking about like i'm grateful for me <laughs> and uh I love that you said that. I'm so celebrating that right now. Yes, that's exactly. (laughs) And I challenge everybody who's listening right now too, right? To say that to themselves too. It, it, it could be hard. It might be hard, but you know, be grateful for yourself. Jonathan, thank, thank you so much for, for being present with me and sharing this love with all the listeners and also uh, i so i want i want people to be able to find you where can they where can they follow your work where can they learn more from you about you yeah go to selfloverevolution.com click on the button says join the revolution and and join it of course you can find me in the regular places too find me on facebook and instagram and in youtube you can watch a bunch of videos there and in the self-love revolution podcast um you know but selfloverevolution.com join the revolution let's spread self-love let's spread kindness kindness is a virus (laughs) we can spread it we can spread it all around the world implant it into yourself first so that we can really spread this virus of kindness around the world. I love that so much. And I am all about that. And I can't wait to share this with, with the world and be a part of, of spreading that, that virus of kindness. <laughs> Thank so. you so much, Andy. I really appreciate you um, being here with me, inviting me here, and, and just the conversation. I really appreciate you. And right back at you, Jonathan. Thanks for being here.